I want to talk today about faithfulness, faithfulness, faithfulness. And I want to, I want to talk about Abraham and Abraham's faithfulness and, and uh, what that looked like for Abraham to be faithful and, um, and, and actually, more than that, what it means for God to be faithful, God's faithfulness through, um, for Abraham. Actually, let's look in, uh, in Genesis chapter 12. Let's start there. Forget 22, go to 12. So, if, you go to, if you've been to church much, you know that Abraham was called, his name was Abram then, in Genesis 12, he was called by God, he lived in, uh, I guess what would be modern day Iraq um, at the time, and he, he lived with his father and brothers, and he was called by God to go to a country that God would show him. Okay? Um, and in, um, in chapter 12, verse 1, um, it tells of this, it says, The Lord had said to Abraham, or Abram at the time, leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. And I will make you into a great people, a nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all peoples, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, this blessing here isn't like we think, like when somebody sneezes, we're like, bless you. I mean, it's, it's much more powerful than that. It actually, it actually kind of means complete. Like, you will, com- you will make people complete. Maybe, uh, maybe thinking about or reflecting God's original intention for humanity. You will have a hand in, and you will be the thing through which I use to reconcile all people, to make humans, or to help humans become what I intended them to be in the first place. That can all be kind of read into that. That's all layered into that. In verse 4, uh, so Abram left, as the Lord had told him, and, his, and Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran, and he took his wife and all of his stuff with him. We don't see in Abram's story a lot of um, inner dialogue. We don't hear Abram's thoughts. We don't, we're not privy to that stuff. It doesn't say. The writer doesn't say. Um, the Bible doesn't say what he was thinking. As a human being, though, um, we can assume that there were some struggles there, right? We can assume that there were some struggles. Abram wasn't a robot. It doesn't say, and he was a robot, and God said, go, and he just went. He was a human being. But the point is not his inner dialogue. The point is his obedience here. So he went and took his stuff, and he left, and he went to a place that God would show him, meaning he had no idea what it was going to be. So God called Abram right from the start to a life of obedience, but a life of confusion. Abram, I have great plans for you. I have a great vision for you. Um, and I want you to obey, and uh, I'm not going to lay out exactly what that looks like. So, let's see how that plays out. God had just done this amazing thing, calling Abram, saying, you are going to be the person, you are significant enough, through whom I am going to do all these great things. Whoever blesses you, I will bless. Whoever curses you, I will curse. Meaning, I've got your back, Abram. Listen. Don't worry about what people do, say, or think about you, because if it's bad, I got them. Don't worry about people attacking you, hurting you, uh, whatever, because if they have those intentions, they have to answer to me. That's what God is like with Abram. So imagine the empowerment, right? Like the confidence that he has. And so he goes out with this confidence, with this mandate from God. And in verse 10, there was a famine in the land, And Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was really bad. 
And as he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarah, Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. That's nice. Um, But when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. And then they will kill me, but let you live. So say you're my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. So Abram go, came to Egypt. The Egyptians saw that she was, or Sarah was a very beautiful woman. Uh, and when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace. And he treated Abram well for her sake and gave him lots of stuff because that's what you would do for somebody whose sister you, you love or like or take a shine to. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarai. So Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me? He said, why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister? So that I took her to be my wife. Now, then here's your, here's your wife. Get out of here. And then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men, and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. Kind of weird. <laughs> Abram, with this mandate from God, this promise from God, that, that God was going to have his back, experiences a famine, and goes down and does something, takes control, takes actions that show that he didn't really trust that. I better manipulate the situation here um, so, that, so that things don't get out of hand. So I'm taking care of, I better take care of myself here uh, and, and, and do some sketchy stuff to make sure that I'm protected. Abram starts off his life with God with a colossal lack of trust. Pretty disappointing. And how, how do we see God respond to that? Does he, is he like, got the wrong guy, you're out, get the next guy in? No. He's like, Abram, have you learned nothing? No. He says, Here's the stuff, here's the blessing, here's the curses on the person that, that is making life bad for you. Pharaoh, I'm going I'm to wipe your family out because you're doing something wrong to my, my guy. And here's the blessings to you when, uh, that I promised. So, it, this is a story about Abram's failure, but it's more a story about God's faithfulness. God says, I have your back, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to take care of you. And even when you are not faithful, when you don't trust me, I still respond with trustworthiness. What kind of God is that? Even when you fail to trust me, when you're on a spiritual high and you're ready to go and you believe the promises and you go right out and do the wrong thing, God responds with trustworthiness. I told you I would be this way. I am this way. Now, look over in Genesis chapter 20. Abram moved from there, uh, wherever that was, where was that? Somewhere? Oh. Sodom and Gomorrah area, I suppose. Okay, so Abram moved on from there into the region of the Negev and lived uh, between Kadesh and Shur, and for a while he stayed in Gerar. um, And there, Abraham met uh, said of his wife Sarah, um, in the in the land of Gerar, she's my sister. <laughs> and then uh, Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent for Sarah and took her. 
But God came to Abraham in a dream and said, Abraham, you're a moron. We already went through this. <laughs> Somebody says, God came to Abimelech in a dream and said to him, you're dead. You're as good as dead is not, does, not, does not show the strength of the original language. Uh, I'm going to kill the heck out of you. You're dead. Because of the woman you've taken, she's a married woman. And Abimelech uh, had not gone near to her, so he said, Whoa, 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 whoa. She said, She's my sister. I, I'm innocent here. I didn't do anything. I didn't touch her. And God says to him, Yep, I know you didn't. That's why I kept you from sinning. That's why I didn't let you touch her. But return her, or I'm going to kill you. <laughs> And everybody that is associated with you. Like, I'm going Kaiser Sose on you if you don't return her. <laughs> so Abimelech summoned uh, all of his officials in verse 8, and he told them all that had happened, and they were very much afraid. Um, and Abimelech called Abraham and said, what, what have you done to us? What have I done to you that you have brought this on me and my people? You have done things you should not have done. And he's like, what is your, why? What are you doing? Abram said, well, you know, surely there's no, I thought, well, nobody fears God here. They will kill me because of my wife. Uh, Besides, she's really my sister, which I'm not sure that that's true, but the daughter of my father, though not of my mother, and she became my wife. That's the first we hear about that, by the way, isn't it? Strange. Um, And when God came, uh, God had me wander from my father's household. I said to her, this is how you can show your love to me. Everywhere we go, save me. He is my brother. This is not a good response or reason, by the way. Abimelech brought sheep and cattle, male and female, slaves, and gave them to Abraham. And he returned Sarah's wife to him, and he said, "Uh, My land is before you. Live wherever you want. Um, And I'm giving uh, your brother a thousand shekels. I'm giving you money to cover the offense. Abimelech goes above and beyond to make sure that God doesn't destroy him. So, how does God respond to Abraham? The second time he does this. It's Abimelech that rebukes Abraham. So, you know, Abraham has to to endure the rebuke of a pagan. Like, it's the pagan guy who's the righteous guy here in in this episode, which, you know, and Abraham gives him a weak excuse. But God says, no, I said I was going to bless you, and I said I was going to protect you against people who might harm you. Regardless. I know it was your fault. Regardless. Here you go. Take your stuff. No matter if you're trustworthy or not, I will be trustworthy. No matter if you are faithful or not, I will still be God and be faithful to the promises I make to you. You see how God's promises are not conditional upon our faithfulness. God is God. We don't make God not God by our disobedience or lack of trust. Um, Look over in um, in chapter 16. So God had said, I'm going to make you a great nation, lots of people, you'll have lots of family. Um, And and, and he makes this covenant with them in chapter 15. Um, You know, I've got you. Uh, You're going to to have children. Don't worry about it. Uh, Don't make your servant the heir. I've got a plan for you. Just chill it on down. I've got you. Chill it on down, right? Campus students, that's... Okay. I like to be hip. Cool. 
I want the sermon to be lit. Okay, so, uh, anyway. He makes this covenant with him, and, and, and so uh, years have gone by, years and years and years. It's a couple of chapters for us, but it's years and years, right? And, uh, and so Sarah, Abraham's wife, who is a go-getter of a woman, um, says, hey, we don't have kids, and there's this promise. And for Sarah, there's a lot at stake here, too. For an ancient woman, to not have children means that her, uh, her role in the family and her future is at stake. Like, that's... I didn't make these rules, and, but this is the way it was back then, right? You, you were there to have children to carry on the name and the line of... Well, the man was too, actually. The most important thing you could do was carry on your line. Have a, a son, sorry, to carry on your line. That's the most important thing you could do. So if you weren't doing that, in their world, uh, they felt like they were not um, valuable or that there, there wasn't anything that, you know, why am I here? What am I doing here? So there's a lot at stake here. The covenant might be at stake in their minds. And, and for Sarah, her place in the family is at stake. Maybe even her future, her livelihood. Can I do that? Um, so there's a lot at stake, okay? But, but Sarah says, um, I'll just summarize. She says, take my servant, Hagar, and, and, and you can have a child through her, and, um, and, and then you'll have an heir, and things will be fine. Now, I don't know if that was... Now, in today's world, that would be wrong. In that world, it was not as wrong. It wasn't great. I don't know, though, if this is totally wrong or not. But what we do know is that it shows confusion. What's going on? It's been years, and there's promises. And it's been years, and it doesn't seem like it's happening. What's going on here? How is this going to come about? So I don't know how wrong this decision was, but it had bad consequences. Because of that, Sarah's life got worse. Abraham had problems because he had then two wives with sons that it got bad. Hagar's life was not helped. And Ishmael, the son that Abraham had with his concubine's life, was not helped. Bad consequences. But you cannot fault Abraham and Sarah for being confused and wondering what's going on. And how's this going to come about? Do you understand? Do you, do you, do you ever feel that? God made these promises to me, and this is what the Christian life is supposed to be like. This is what a walk with God is supposed to be like. This is what I've heard. This is what I've seen. And I, what? And what, what I've got is disappointment or confusion or a lack of... What? Like things have gone on and, and stuff hasn't gone the way I hoped and dreamed and where are the great victories and where... What? We understand that, right? And, and so Abraham's... Um, Abraham here is, is a pattern for... like it, We can identify with him. But really what I want us to focus on is God's response. God's response. Because very soon after that, the next chapter, he says, look, here's how it's going to go you will have a son through Sarah. It's going to be okay. It's, I'm going to fulfill this promise to you. But it took years and years and years. See, it's a few chapters for us, but it's decades for Abraham and Sarah. Now, look in chapter 24, where I told you to, or 22, where I told you to go before. 22, 22, 22. 
And I'll, I'll just summarize this too. Chapter 22 then is the story of Abraham uh, called to sacrifice his son Isaac. So all of this drama to have this son, all the confusion, some of the mistakes, uh, and then he has this son, they have this son, and then God says, um, hey, you know that son of yours? I want you to go sacrifice him. Again, really weird. I don't know. That's really, really weird. One of the amazing things here in this chapter is we don't, we don't see Abraham's internal struggles. There's nothing, there's nothing like that. It doesn't mean it didn't happen. What we see, though, and, and it, again, it comes out in the original language more, but we see a lot of action. Abraham, he got up in the morning. He woke. He saddled. In verse 3, he woke. He saddled. He took. He cut. He set out. In, in the original language, it's that abrupt. Abraham got up and obeyed and took action and went. doesn't mean there wasn't internal struggle, but the point is he went and obeyed. And he's about to, he's about to slay his son in obedience, and, and the, an angel says, oh, hold, hold on, hold on. You don't know. Nope. That was a test, and now I know. Now I've experienced your obedience. Now, this testing is legendary, legendary in the Jewish world. It's considered like the single greatest act of obedience in the Old Testament. I mean, it stands up there with the, it's, you know, it's like there's a hall of faith somewhere in some book that Abraham is listed in. <laughs> there is, actually. <laughs> um, he was listed. That's a little Bible nerd joke there. So, you understand, this is a pinnacle point. And if we were to read this, if we were to read this without, without understanding or reading the context of Abraham's life, if we were just to read this, we go, whoa, I can't do that. I can't be that way. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Who has that kind of faith? Who has that kind of trust? But what I want us to realize is this, this amazing victory, this high point, this high point of faith, did not come out of, out of nowhere. Didn't come out of nowhere. This is 40 or 50 years-ish, I mean, after Abraham was called. This is after decades and decades of failure, some victories too. Failure and, and confusion and wondering and heartbreak and disappointment. Some victories, too, no doubt. It wasn't just that in Abraham's life. But it was decades and decades and decades of life. And so Abraham, Abraham comes to this point of testing where he's called to do this amazing thing. And he can do it because he has learned trust in God through life. He's learned trust. You know, trust, uh, trust is something that we decide to do, have, give. Trust is a decision, but trust grows from time and experience. It just does. Like, I can't just, like, take this big ball of trust and get really hyped up about it and sing, like, that God is awesome song over and over again and get really wound up and have enough trust then to, for the rest of my life. It's not, like, it's not like a top that we spin really fast and then... You know, and then, and then I spin it again. Trust grows 
incrementally, gradually, by day, by day, by day, by day, deciding to trust God, and then living according to that trust. That's how trust grows. Great acts of faithfulness. And this is a great act of faithfulness. For some of us, uh, we can, we, we can, for some of us, you know, we all have different levels. Some of us uh, experience those early in our Christian walk and in life. Some of us experience those early and then not for a long time. Some of us uh, experience those and then we have great disappointments in life. Then we have great places and times of desert walking and, and we have tragedy and grief or just nothing or like confusion. What's the point here? What am I doing with my life? I thought I was called to something great. I thought I was going to go plant churches. I thought I was going to go on mission teams. I thought I was going to baptize and convert 7 billion people in the world. I thought that I was going to be able to do miracles. I thought I was going to be able to preach. I thought I was going to do... I thought, my, my, I thought, if, I thought my kids were going to be this way and I thought my spouse would be that way and, and none of that's happened. And what's going on? You, under, you understand that? Can you relate to that? I thought my friends would always be loyal to me and love me and we'd always get along great. I thought all of these. I thought my jobs would just get better and better and better. I thought my faith would just gradually increase like a straight line like this. It's not the way that works. Life. Life. And, and so Abraham is a, is, a, is a pattern for us. Is a pattern for us in, in persistency. Persistency? Consistency and persistence. In, in building trust day by day by day, gradually, through mistakes, through failures and through victories, up and down and up and down and up and down, through confusion. But, but more than that, uh, what I want us to realize is that God, through all of this, was faithful to Abraham. God was faithful to Abraham. God did not abandon Abraham when he was confused. God did not abandon Abraham when he took untrustworthy action. He didn't say, oh, you did that, you know what, forget it. He didn't say, uh, oh, you, you, uh, you called your wife, your sister, and did that stuff. Guess what? Uh, we're moving the plans back. He didn't do that. God was faithful. But we live life. And, and, and sometimes, and I know this because I'm this way, sometimes we think like we have this almost over-triumphal view of our walk with God. I became a Christian, and it's awesome, and I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit, and I can do anything, and then life hits us, and, and, and we can get just smacked down to the ground. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't strive and give every effort. We do. We do. We strive and give every effort. But you know, sometimes my every effort I, is not very good. Sometimes um, I don't give every effort. Um, sometimes I don't give much of an effort or any effort. And still God is faithful. You know, we talk about heroes in the faith and stuff like that. And, and, and typically we say, and I get it, I'm not, I don't mean to knock anybody off a pedestal if they're there. I don't mean that. But heroes in the faith, we tend to say, are people who you know, give keynote speeches at, at big conferences or, or lead big churches or plant churches or do great, whatever, public things. But you know who heroes are? There are heroes of mine that have been here for years. I left 20 years ago. I come back and you're still here. Through disappointments, through trials, through deserts, through tragedy, through grief, through confusion. You know, I leave and, you're, and, and the heroes of mine are people that are still here fighting it out. And I don't care how good you're, you are at it. <laughs> I care that you're here, quite frankly. And, you know, it's, 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 it's encouraging to me, like, 
I come back and, and if you feel like, well, I don't you know, my life hasn't gone, I don't care. I'm glad you're here. This is awesome. That's, that's heroic. That's heroic. That's being like Abraham. Now, maybe we won't have opportunities to, um, you know, to respond to God and, be, and have the single greatest act of faith in, in, a, in the Old Testament. Maybe, maybe my trust or faithfulness is not even at the point, maybe yours isn't either, where we would respond like Abraham. I don't know. That's not the point, though. That's not the point. The point is relationship with God. The point is growth and trust and faithfulness and trying to figure out what it means to live that way. What does it look like for me to trust God more and more, to accept that he is who he says he is, to accept that because God is faithful, I should be faithful. My faithfulness is based on my understanding, my deep understanding of experience with God. Through thick and thin, he is with me. Not through circumstances that are great, but through thick and thin, he is with me, and he stays by me, and he loves me, and he does not abandon me. That's how we grow in faith. That's how we grow in zeal. And I believe that, that the more we accept that and the more that we can understand that, that life is a journey and it's not you know, this straight trajectory up and there's up and downs, the more that we can accept that and, and grow in that and be comfortable growing in that and know that God gives us forgiveness for the stuff we do wrong and we can say, well, I'm sorry and I'm past that, I'm getting past that now and I'm going to learn from it and grow, and I'm going to learn to trust more, and I'm going to learn what it means to live according to that trust. The more we do that, the more time we put in with that, time and experience doing that, the more equipped we will be to do great things if they come up. But if they don't, there's still greatness in relationship with God over time. There's greatness in that. The single act of greatness, or the single greatest act of faithfulness in your life may not be that you are called to do something amazing in public like you know, son. Don't do that, actually. I don't think anybody's going to be called to do that. The single act of greatness in your life is your growth in faithfulness and trust in God and learning how to live according to that. Amen? Amen. So I say to you, uh, continue to fight, continue to strive and strain. Give every effort, um, but give yourself the grace that God gives you. Accept his grace. Accept his forgiveness. Accept his acceptance of you. And then live from that. And if we do, I'm telling you, we'll be more inspired. We'll be more ready. We'll be growth. We'll be more excited. And we'll be more ready to, uh, to respond and to live life to the full and be blessed. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for... Um, loving us in our stuff, in our failures, in our um, disappointments, and even in our wavering trust of you, God, when we just don't know and we doubt and we, we are confused and we grieve or whatever. Um, God, help us to, to continue to, day by day, just decide to trust you. And then, uh, day by day, decide to give our best effort to live according to that trust to live as if you are who you say you are, to accept that you are who you say you are, to accept your, your grace for us, your love for us. Uh, Lord, to, to image that out and shine that out to the people around us. We thank you that we can come and worship you today. God, um, we pray all this in your son. Amen.